Hello everyone and welcome to Millennial Rewind, where we take a not-so-sentimental look at the movies and TV shows that were around when millennials were growing up. I'm your host Nick, coming to you from the pompous asshole snarkily asking for an espresso capital of the world, Los Angeles, California. And once again, Jules will not be joining us. Uh, he got into a feud with an Italian rapper called Little Caesar and has gone into hiding. But joining me from the hellish loop of living the same day over and over again of Southern California, the Inland Empire, is my co-host, John. John, what's happening? I, I, I just can't after that pizza reference you just made. I, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's, it's his rap name. I didn't choose it for him. He chose it. <laughs> I'm done. You're I'm done. done. John, that joke was hot and ready. Don't even. Oh, God. <laughs> They're not even sponsoring this thing. <laughs> I've heard their pizza's terrible. Oh. And before we get started, if you like what you hear today, please do us a favor and hit that subscribe button. Also, be sure to share the show with anyone you think would like to listen as well, despite what was just said. <laughs> <laughs> so we watched Groundhog Day, the uh, 1993 horror film starring... <laughs> Bill Murray. A lot of people think it's a comedy and they're wrong. Uh, and John, how would you tell somebody you, you watch Groundhog Day without using the title? It's simple. I watch the best live action holiday film. What's the best animated? I leave that to your imaginations. There's some hentais that come to mind, but that's neither here nor there. Merry Christmas! <laughs> <laughs> Nothing says Happy Valentine's Day like some hentai. The holiday octopus. Hentai <gasps> Valentine! Valentine <laughs> Valentine! I thought they already made that. I mean, I haven't seen my bloody valentine but you know. <laughs> oh boy so you're calling this a horror movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> the, the the philosophical implications are indeed horrifying well yeah i mean that's just part of it so okay do you have a title for this as a horror movie or not as a horror i mean de depends on your definition of horror my alternate title for this is uh grab my hog day because basically bill murray's character uses his powers of immortality to fuck his co-workers so um and just the townsfolk the townsfolk we'll dive into that a bit later bill murray is the most charming gaslighter ever <laughs> he really is <laughs> uh, so john what were your what were your experiences with this movie growing up like what, where'd you first see it i don't remember probably at home or something but i just always loved it um and then after growing up a bit and having my own copy like on dvd on february 2nd we just put it on on repeat and it's just in the background all day long and it loops so much that you'll just catch bits here and there and you're not quite sure where in the movie you're even at anymore <laughs> it's fantastic <laughs> Oh, that is a great, great holiday tradition right there. Yeah, I, I think I'm the same way. 1983, I was not watching adult movies in the theaters. I mean, I was still living in the States at that point. So I definitely saw it in South Africa on DVD, most likely. I'm not sure whether or not we owned it, but yeah, I think it was like I heard from my folks, oh, you know, Groundhog Day was such a good movie, Bill Murray. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, it seems like a fun premise. And yeah, I had a great time watching it. The suicide bits got a bit dark for me as a kid. As an adult, I now just find them hilarious, but <laughs> uh, toaster bath, we'll get there. I have questions about toaster bath. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, I mean, um, it's just such a cultural touchstone. It's the final collaboration between Harold Ramis and Bill Murray. This movie effectively ended their friendship. Well, till right before Harold Ramis died. I was not aware of that. Yeah, they fought a lot on this set and Bill Murray would not talk to Harold Ramis until right before his death in 2014. Because the behind the scenes on the DVD have nothing to say about this. Yeah, I feel like it's not the kind of thing you highlight when you're trying to market a comedy, a romantic comedy at that. I say romantic, your mileage may vary. (laughs) It depends on how much consent factors into your definition of romance, (laughs) you know? Yeah, we will definitely be expounding on that a bit more later. But yeah, Harold Ramis was the director. He co-wrote it. He didn't originate the idea. I believe it was a guy called Danny Rubin Yep, who, who sold it. And Harold Ramis got involved, did a bunch of rewrites. There was a lot of going back and forth. And I think a big part of what split Harold Ramis and Bill Murray apart was the fact that they had different ideas of what the movie should be. Like, I think Bill Murray wanted to be a bit more serious and philosophical. He wanted to lean into those aspects aspects of the movie whereas Harold Ramis you know with a mandate from the studio was like no it's got we got to lean more into the comedy slash romance with what you're saying about Murray's perspective that's more of what the original story was like I mean it began in the middle of this shit already happening yes the the movie would have started with him just knowing what was going on around him at all times I think it was a strong choice for them to be like actually you know we're gonna see a normal day and then we're gonna see him discovering that he's in this loop I think that was a much stronger yeah they mentioned that they felt like the audience might be cheated to miss out on him coming into the realization of what's going on but at least they kept to the idea that they never explain it yeah you don't know why this is happening how long it's happened and why it stops yeah he could have been living this day for a thousand years by the end and you just as the original idea was something around like 10,000 years or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm sure people have like speculated based off of certain skills that he acquires in the movie. Like oh, yeah. That. There's the whole like, what is it? 10,000 hours to become proficient at something or whatever. And people doing the math of all the skills he acquires, all the things he's committed to memory. This is how long it would actually take. So on. So forth. I'm not going to do math here. <laughs> <laughs> We're not here for math. We're not here for math. We're that here said, for my first reviews. note involves counting. So, all right. Okay, well, uh, you'll have to expound on that when we get there. But yeah, I mean, this is a cultural phenomenon. It's a cultural touchstone. You know, people feeling like they live the same day over and over again. It's just like, you know, I feel like I'm living in Groundhog Day. It's considered one of the greatest comedies of all time. It's in the National Registry of Film. It is a big freaking deal. There's, I, I don't know what else to say about it. Also, what the fuck happened to Andy McDowell after this? Where did she go? What did she do? Multiplicity. I don't remember that. Oh my god, it's amazing. Michael Keaton plays three different clones of himself. Well, shit, okay. I'm gonna have to heard of it. Oh my god. All right, cancel Groundhog Day. <laughs> We're watching Multiplicity. Guys. Hey, we got open slots on the schedule. We could absolutely add Multiplicity to that. Um, but yeah, anyway, she did a couple things um, right after this, but yeah, pretty much just disappeared. Not sure what happened there. Come back, Andy McDowell. We miss you. Eh, bit toothy. John doesn't miss you, but I miss you. Come back. <laughs> all right well we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we'll start breaking down groundhog day hey everybody nick and john here uh normally we'd be doing a sketch right now but we actually hit a really big milestone recently we wanted to do something a little different yeah we recently crossed a thousand downloads i mean we did it a few weeks ago so a little higher now 
and we just wanted to thank everyone out there who's been listening. Yeah, you know, this whole thing started out as a, you know, kind of a sort of serious idea during lockdown, and we never really thought we'd get anywhere, let alone get a thousand downloads. So, to all of you out there who've been listening, subscribing, sharing with friends, and leaving reviews, all of it's turned this little podcast from a hobby into something we're kind of taking seriously and even a little proud of. Okay, but don't worry, we're not taking it too seriously. We're not Hell it. no. Look, we've had a blast making all these episodes for you, and we're looking forward to making even more. So, from everyone here at Millennial Rewind, thank, thank you. you. Uh, wait, no, dude, why were you saying thank you? That was me. I was saying thank you. No, no, that that's my line. I, I'm supposed to say thank you there. Uh, no, it's highlighted. I have thank you. It's mine. Okay, like I wrote this whole thing, so I'm telling you that that was my line there. Well, I'm telling you you're being a fucking diva about the whole thing. Okay, you know what? Podcast over. I, I'm sick of your shit, John. You know what? Fine, fuck this. I'm going to Italy. I'm out. Yeah, you go to Italy. Get shot by little Caesar. And we're back and once again we're going to open this movie with the child's crayon drawing version of the columbia pictures God, logo. this logo just sucks so <laughs> bad columbia so, so bad. bad so bad no wonder your fucking studio like was on the verge of bankruptcy when this movie came i think this movie helped save columbia i wouldn't be surprised although one of my favorite facts about this movie uh in terms of the box office in 1993 it was beaten by free willy yeah well i mean it had that michael jackson song i mean <laughs> it's true but I feel like more people talk about Groundhog Day than they do about Free Willy. And so we have some Oompa music going. Uh, we open up on the sky, actually. We kind of bookend the movie with the sky. What's up with that? Yeah, my note is that we open on my Baywatch reference because we just look at goddamn clouds for 45 seconds. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which is so weird because it starts the opening credits just looking at sky. And then we have a short scene of about two minutes. And then the credits continue as they're traveling from Pittsburgh to Puxatawney. Like, why? I get he's a weatherman man but what the hell is with the time-lapse clouds yeah is it because he's actually dead and him being stuck in the town is purgatory and he has to learn a lesson to move on to whoa, heaven whoa whoa this isn't space jam all right <laughs> okay yeah no we, do, we don't want to get a you know don't want to put this in the same <laughs> philosophical category as space jam i get it so we open up on Bill Murray's very sarcastically doing the weather. And again, I've described Bill Murray's acting style as just sarcastic in general, no matter what he does. So he's just kind of Bill Murraying the weather. California, by the way, is forecasted to have gang wars and overpriced real estate. And that forecast has been relevant ever since. So. <laughs> ever since California. <laughs> ever since California. The 49ers came. They were doing some gang warfare. as a whole thing. Damn right. I love this, though, because your typical good-looking leading man sort of thing, weathermen don't look like him. No. <laughs> no. So Bill Murray, it's like, yeah, yeah, he could have that job. I could see someone like that being the meteorologist. Yeah. And he predicts a cold front will not hit the Pittsburgh, whatever, uh, Pennsylvania area with uh, with snow. A pin in that prediction. And we learn that Bill Murray is going to go to the Groundhog Festival in a town called Punxsutawney. And he's clearly not super duper happy about it. He's done it the past few years. And he is a fucking diva. Oh, yes. The weatherman has an assistant. Once he gets off camera and off air... There's this guy who, like, puts on his coat for him and shit like that. 
I feel like this guy was, came across as the understudy weatherman. And he says to him, hey, man, you know, don't don't rush back. You know, I can totally do the five o'clock news. And Bill Murray's just like, no, dude, I'm, I'm going to be back. Like, fuck that town. I will be back for the five o'clock news. Yeah, he's a tame version of Ron Burgundy. <laughs> you read my news. <laughs> And also a connection with Ron Burgundy. He's got some networks looking at him. He's moving up and going places outside of his local Pittsburgh news station. Allegedly. And then we also meet his new producer, Andy McDowell. I think the character's called Rita. Andy McDowell and Bill Murray are Andy McDowell and Bill Murray. Like, they're them. Okay, so this is a thing with Andy McDowell in several of her roles. I know um, she has this condition that's known as chronically perky. Okay. But in this one, I think her character's on drugs at the beginning. <laughs> I really do. Quite possibly, because Bill Murray does the weather in front of a blue screen, and she's wearing a blue jacket, so she's kind of just dancing in front of the weather. Yeah, the new news producer is clowning around in front of the blue screen like, oh, my head's floating around. Eee! Oh, look. <laughs> what? Is she on, and where can I get it? <laughs> uh, you live in the Inland Empire. You can get all the drugs. Damn right. Involuntarily. <laughs> Involuntarily, voluntarily, like, you're going to get some drugs. And Bilberry is immediately spitten with her. Like, he, he tries to play it down, but, like, immediately, like, you can just tell at his facial expression he has fallen in love. Okay, I don't see it. Really? Yeah. It's very, it's very slight. He has more of, like, a fucking really face. Because later, he talks about this from the first moment I saw you. And I went back to this to watch it. And I'm like, no, no, that is a lie. You are telling a lie. But here's the thing. Like, you see it for, like, so brief a moment. And then he spends much more time trying to tell his, you know, sycophantic understudy that, no, she's not my type. Like, blah, 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 blah. I can see how that would overshadow the moment. You know what I mean? I don't see it at all. I think he just wanted to hump her and then spent so much time over his thousands of years of the same day that he eventually did make a connection. I think it's the lie he told himself and it just got stronger and stronger. Yes, the entire premise of the movie is just a lie Bill Murray told himself that got out of control in his own mind. It's kind of like Memento in that way. <laughs> so Bill Murray, <laughs> Andy McDowell, and... Okay, does Chris Elliott deserve his name or is he just Larry? I don't know because, I mean, the dude's been everywhere but the most notable thing he was remembered for was a string of tostitos commercials yeah although he has four emmys for writing on david letterman yeah and i mean he's been in tons of movies something about mary cabin boy he was in the abyss and hyperspace like it had to early career just probably tiny little roles uh most recently people might know him from schitt's creek uh he's the mayor of the town okay i, I haven't seen schitt's creek i know he was on he had a recurring role on how i met your mother as one of the characters yeah. Yeah, again, he's been acting consistently all this time, and you just, you don't really know him. Every time you see him, you're like, oh, shit, what's he been up to? Oh, everything. He's been yeah, doing everything. Yeah, he's been up to everything. <laughs> <laughs> all right, he's Larry. So all right, Larry. Bill yeah. Murray, Andy McDowell, and Larry are driving their news van out of the town. By the way, this song that's playing, like this like, you know, I'll, I'll be your weatherman, whatever. Co-written by Harold Ramis. Like, this song is on the nose. Oh, that's why it's on the nose. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Bill Murray is expressing his displeasure again at having to cover the festival again. And Andy McDowell's ecstasy is still in full force. Yeah. Because she... it's so cute. She gets, like, her hands up. Like, she's making little paws and the cute little face. 
with the teeth go and the CG shadow. And then Bill Murray mocks her incessantly for this. <laughs> yes. I'm pretty sure a good amount of my personality came from this movie. <laughs> I identified way too much with Bill Murray's character. You're, right? like, you're supposed to think he's an asshole, and you're like, no, I get it, Bill. I get it. I, mean, I will point out those moments, but I'm like, I get it, Bill Murray. I get why you're behaving the way you do. Phil Connors worked in customer service for way too long. <laughs> yes, he did. That is the only explanation for this attitude. Phil Connors being Bill Murray's character in the movie. We yes. didn't mention that. So, yeah, uh, and she, you know, she says, I think it's a fun story. It's a fun Fun little thing that's happening and mentions that hey you know people like it and bill murray is like look people like blood sausage people are morons and fuck you bill murray i like blood sausage okay <laughs> i accidentally ordered it in germany i thought it was delicious and fuck you but he does get playful with it well you can enjoy i have some blood sausage up here you want some she's like oh yeah i love blood sausage <laughs> No, but that's her, like, slinging a bag. I was like, yeah, I like some blood sausage. Give it to me, asshole. Yeah, Jerk. yeah, no, no. They have nice banter. So they arrive in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, which, okay, here's what's crazy. Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania is a real town. Yes. They really have a Groundhog Festival that inspired this movie. Yes, they do. They did not film this movie in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. No. <laughs> Punxsutawney is a really small town, and they just kind of do the Groundhog thing, like, basically out in a field. And they wanted, you know, like a town center and this small town atmosphere and everything so they filmed in illinois yeah they filmed in woodstock illinois but another big part of it was just a practical matter of production because punxsutawney is not near a major city whereas woodstock is accessible i think to chicago you can't host an entire movie crew in a small town it's so hard to do that like to put them up and to get them you know to get all your equipment there it's a whole thing you need a major city as kind of a base of operations. And so Woodstock, Illinois made more sense. It had that every town look. So they arrive at the Pennsylvania Hotel. And Bill Murray's pissed because he's like, look, I don't want to stay here. This place is a freaking flea bag. Continues to be a diva. Yeah, he'd stayed here on one of his trips and hates it. And then Andy McDowell was aware of this. Because she's like, oh, you're not staying here, just me. I got you a bed and breakfast. He's just now finding out this information about where he's staying? Yeah, I mean, I guess <laughs> he's such a diva, he expects things to be taken care of. He didn't expect it to be taken care of, and he's really impressed, actually, that she did. And it's like, hey, this is what a good producer is supposed to do. Yeah, like, you, you, you anticipated my needs, you're keeping the talent happy. And then he gets back in the van, and the sliding door is still open. And Larry's like, did he just call himself the talent? They have a laugh at his expense. It's like, he's right there. He can hear all of this. I don't think Larry cares because Larry is sick of Bill Murray's shit. He's worked with him so long. And Bill Murray makes fun of him to his face. So I think Larry's just like, fuck you. Fuck this guy. Diva. Eh, I mean, he gives him a hard time once in a while. Like, what's so bad about the groundhog? And, you know, it's fun and everything. But he, Larry's a nice guy. He's got some flaws, but he's a nice guy. Yeah, he's just a guy trying to do his job. Yeah. Also, this is the first time that Bill Murray starts hitting on Andy McDowell. Like, he's like, you know, hey, would maybe you'd like to help me with my pelvic tilt in this interaction. I'm just like, wow. Yeah. Like, what? That's such a weird way to say something. <laughs> yeah. 
Anyways, now we're going to come to the anchor scene of the whole movie. It's the first of many times you're going to hear Sonny and Cher's I Got You Babe coming from the alarm clock radio. And he wakes up in his bed and breakfast bed. And who the fuck sleeps on their back? Like, what psycho sleeps <laughs> on their back? Like, that's ridiculous. Like, how do people do that? Phil Connors does. He is obviously a psycho, as we'll get covered many times throughout this. Yeah. Or I would just say people in movies in general i mean how else are you supposed to sit straight up after a bad dream that is true it'd be weird if you like sideways (laughs) (laughs) sprung up i want to see that like hair like your pelvic muscles because that's just such a bad angle to like shoot straight up Uh, and so we also hear the local radio DJs doing their cringy banter about it being cold outside. Don't forget your booties and it's Groundhog Day. And Bill Murray like looks out the window, sees the scene, pin in what's going on outside. It's not going to be the last time you see it, folks. Oh, it's amazing. A truck turns a corner. And people walk. Hang on, I'm just going to check my notes here. On the sidewalk. <gasps> Are they allowed? Da, 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 da. Action. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets his first awkward encounter with some like random dude in the hallway who's like, oh, you know, you think it's going to be, you know, six more weeks of winter? Or are you going to the ground? Like, you know, making like idle chat in the hallway. And wow, I got, this is one of those first times where like I get it, Bill Murray being an asshole because this is my fucking nightmare scenario is some random asshole like talking to me in a hallway as I'm trying to go somewhere. So this is one of the first ever roles of Ken Campbell, whose name I really don't recognize, but I do recognize the guy. And in a few years, he became kind of like the big funny guy in a lot of movies. Uh, He played the cook in Down Periscope. He was on Bruce Willis's drilling crew in Armageddon. He hit it really well for a small span of years. Wow. Yeah, there were some very surprising faces in this movie. Okay, I did not recognize them there, but now I'm seeing it now that you you mentioned those other movies. And so this guy asked Bill Murray, you know, when does he think the first day of spring is going to be? And he's like, you know, I think it's going to be March 21st. And he heads down the stairs and the guy thinks about it for a second. He's like, actually, I think March 21st is the first day of spring. You, Yeah. Yeah, yokel. Mm But then it gets worse for him because he goes to breakfast. Yes, he's in the breakfast area of the bed and breakfast. And the very nice innkeeper lady, I think her name is Mrs. Lancaster, mm-hmm. asks her for an espresso because he's a big city jackass. And of course, you know, they don't have any in this quaint small town. Oh, yeah. Early 90s when he's asking for like, you know, chance of a cappuccino. And it's like, oh, yeah, only douchebags. <laughs> only douchebags order these drinks. And now I'm just like, I need nine of these to wake up in the morning and so she's like you know oh uh, i think there's a blizzard coming through and then he goes into his weatherman spiel like you know we got this yeah and doing the motions like he's in front of the screen and everything and how it's gonna pass and then basically ends it with so did you actually want to talk about the weather are you just making some small talk and my god do i feel you i i don't do well with small talk in general especially because everyone always tries saying the same thing and it's usually yeah the weather or gas prices or something like that and i just don't care and i can't imagine how painful it would be if i specialized in one of those topics that people just (laughs) always want to talk about casually (laughs) and you're like you want to talk about some weather i will talk about some motherfucking (laughs) weather fucking clue what's going on with the weather here sit down (laughs) yeah 
Let's get barometric about this shit. I'm a petroleum economist, damn it. (laughs) Supply and demand, motherfucker. Anyways, he hates small talk, much like John, much like me as well. I I hate random chit-chat with strangers. Again, because I I guess, yeah, as an introvert, I'm jealous that Bill Murray could just be assholes to people when they do these things. I'm just like, God, I wish I had the guts to be just like this assholic and like let people know that they're mindless bullshit is not welcome we still have like another 30 years to go before we get that pass <laughs> oh that's gonna be the, the best it's part of being old. uh being an old guy <laughs> no i can't wait can't wait how are you doing today mr john fuck you <laughs> that's nice <laughs> so she asks him if he's gonna leave jane and he's like chance of departure today 100 percent and he's like so he walks out the front door and i legitimately thought she was gonna call him an asshole on the way out like <laughs> Like he leaves the door, she turns out like asshole. <laughs> like I was like, I feel like if this was taking I, place, in his- I honestly believe that she was so dumbfounded by him doing his weatherman stick, <laughs> she just didn't know how to react to the situation. <laughs> I know she's just like a very nice small town lady. Yeah, and- she just fell into default mode. Oh, are you checking out today? Like, what the fuck is happening with this guy right now? I'm so confused. Espresso? What the fuck? <laughs> So now we're out on the town square, and uh, Bill Murray ignores a homeless guy, pretends like he doesn't have any money. Pin in that homeless guy for, for later. And by the way, don't actually put pins in homeless guys. They have enough shit to deal with, like John having a bad day, so just don't put pins in them. <laughs> if you're in the IE, they have plenty of pins in them already. <laughs> Ooh, drug reference. And so then we have our first encounter with Ned, the most annoying man in the universe. <laughs> Steven! Tomolowski. Oh, this guy is in everything you love. It's true. It is very, very true. He has done fucking everything. He uh, had a recurring role on Archer. Oh God, he was that guy in Archer. Oh my God, that was him. Oh my God. Okay, yeah, so it's- recurring role on Archer in Spaceballs. He's the guy who shouts, "You've captured their stunt doubles." <laughs> <laughs> And even all the way to Batman Arkham Origins for video games, just additional voices. Like, just thugs. He's fucking everywhere. Memento. He plays Sammy, uh, the guy that Guy Pierce talks about having memory problems. You know, when he was Uh, the insurance adjuster, this is the guy they thought they were faking. Yeah. Well, apparently he can't get out of insurance because he is an insurance salesman, which is the most (laughs) annoying job in the universe. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, this guy. Again, you know, he's like, no, Phil, Phil Connor. Like, like he is just... so deliciously over the top. <laughs> and it's like they went and Bill Murray does not recognize him for shit. He's like, who the fuck is this guy? What the fuck is he doing? Why is he talking to me? But he kind of like goes along to get along. Maybe he'll this guy will leave. And no, he won't leave because he is going to try and sell him insurance all the while touching Bill Murray way the fuck too much. <laughs> Oh my god, this made me uncomfortable. And again, like Bill Murray being an asshole to him, I'm like, I get it. This motherfucker's touching you way too much. Ned has no sense of personal space. He's, you know, how you doing? Pat on the shoulder. Okay, fine. But then he starts messing around and like poking and fake punching him and shit. And then like bring him in close for a chat. Oh, my nightmare. My nightmare. And, you know, he's, he starts, to, you know, trying to get him to buy insurance from him. You know, just the shit cherry on the top of this poop fucking Sunday. <laughs> Bill Murray, I love this line. He says to him, Ned, I'd love to stand here and talk with you, but I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> Such a Ron Swanson moment. <laughs> 
Oh, uh, yeah. And again, this movie wants me to think that Bill Murray's an asshole, but every reaction he's had up until this point has been completely, in my mind, absolutely fucking justified. Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally on board with him for now. <laughs> for now. There are things he's going to do later, which are very questionable. But as he tries to get away from Ned, he steps in this icy puddle, and Ned just kind of laughs, you know, laughs at him. He's like, no, got to watch that first step. It's a doozy. And you're like, oh, this fucking guy. My neck literally had a shiver as you were impersonating Ned. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so triggering. Yeah, he's twitching right now, audience. Yeah, oh god, that fucking guy. So Bill Murray arrives at the town square, and John, what do they call the town square in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, supposedly in this movie? (laughs) This... (laughs) Cobbler! (laughs) (laughs) The town square is known as Gobblers (laughs) Gobblers <laughs> Gobblers Knob. I just like <laughs> Gobblers Knob. What the It's about as subtle as making hard eye contact with somebody while deep throating a banana. It is fucking ridiculous. There are some weirdly named places out that way. One of my favorites, I actually had to detour on a road trip once to go and visit it because I just couldn't believe my eyes when I saw the sign for Big Bone Lick. <laughs> <laughs> it's this area that had like a like natural salt lake places for you know and animals would congregate but it's also one of the first places that they found mastodon skeletons okay so they named it big bone lick <laughs> yeah there's these giant you know plaques and museum you know museum stuff and whatever and you're walking around the like the great licking spot <laughs> one of the titles <laughs> it's amazing you know, at least it's not a racist ranch name in Texas. I could get along with Big Bone Lick a lot more than uh, some some ranch names in Texas. I'm not even going to repeat them, but they just look it up. Oof. Anyways. So back to deep throating that knob. Yeah, back to <laughs> gobbling that knob. Um, <laughs> this town is fucking into their Groundhog Festival. Like there's songs, there's music playing. It's like da, 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 da. everyone's like dancing around and God, I am a cynical, twisted fuck, and I hate this sort of thing, but a part of me just envies the sheer joy they all have at something so simple and silly. Small towns are like that. Whatever their thing is, they they go hard. place I lived in Indiana, there was a, a poet who lived there, and that's their thing. And every year there's a parade and a festival and everything held in honor of this guy. And I hate it. <laughs> Fair enough. You lived it. I I, I, I understand. And so uh, Bill Murray apologizes to Andy McDowell and Larry for being late. He says, sorry, I'm late. A leech got me. <laughs> Referring to Ned. <laughs> Andy McDowell, she is amazed by how much fun everyone's having. She's like, oh, my God, they've been the, like singing. The, the drugs are still working, man. <laughs> the drugs are still working. She is high on something because, yeah, she's like, oh, my gosh, you know, they've been singing songs all night, getting cold, going back inside, warming up, coming back outside, singing again until they get cold. And Bill Murray's like, they're yokels. Like, this is all they have. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's just do this to get the fuck out of here. So Bill Murray does his news report while the mayor of the town in a top hat and, you know, penguin outfit does his shtick with the groundhog. They knock on the tree stump and they pull the groundhog out and holds the groundhog up to his ear and then gives the groundhog back. 
Speaking of on drugs, what kind of like quaaludes or something did they give this groundhog? Oh, horse tranquilizers. He is practically just a stuffed animal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does this not thing wiggle does at not, all. No, he does not move. Not even like squirm because they're grabbing him. He doesn't look around. He doesn't do shit. This is the towelie of rodents. <laughs> yes, that's what you're saying. Like yeah, they hotboxed his fucking tree stump, and that's. <laughs> <laughs> they're like so how about your shadow i don't know i'm so high right now <laughs> why is everybody outside <laughs> how many people staring at you do you guys see <laughs> <laughs> that was some good tree stump oh <laughs> uh, but here's the thing okay so so they talk to the fucking talk in big quotation marks to the groundhog yeah. but they give the groundhog back and then the mayor pulls out a scroll <laughs> And gives this long ass proclamation about what just happened. I think, um, well, they call the groundhog Phil as well. And that's part of the real thing. Punxsutawney Phil is the groundhog. Yeah. I think Phil told him which scroll to open. Okay. Yeah. Because it's like. Because there's only two ways this thing can go. (laughs) Right. Because it has a down to the minute when he proclaimed what. On the scrolls, no, I mean, like, and you do it every year. That's that's the tradition. You get the time. That's cool. I'm cool uh, with that. Okay, I'm I'm being pedantic. But the fact that he had the result ready on hand for whether yes. or not he saw, I think there's just two scrolls, and feels okay. like, oh yeah, the uh, the one with the red ribbon. Yeah, cool. And he, you know, it's it's very good. It's like you know, Puxatani Phil, prognosticator of prognosticators, weatherman of weathermen, blah 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 blah, blah did hereby proclaim in Punxsutawney pets. You know, it's like that kind of speech. Phil saw his shadows, so it's going to be six more weeks of winter, and everybody boos. Oh, and we need to touch on this. The mayor is Brian Doyle Murray. Who is Brian Doyle Murray? Bill's older brother. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> That's Bill Murray's brother. Yeah. Yeah, he's five years older. He was also in Caddyshack. And it's not a situation where, like, he's just in Bill's movies. He's got his whole other career. Oh, that's really cool. He was in Wayne's World. He was, um, fuck, what's the guy's name now? The guy who shot Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh, Jack Ruby. Yeah. Brian Doyle Murray played Jack Ruby in JFK with Kevin Gosner. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, nice little Indian on the cupboard callback. <laughs> okay, cool. Actually, I think he was kind of a a go-between during Bill Murray and Harold Ramis's feud, but that's a whole other thing. Hmm. So anyways, Bill Murray does a very sarcastic sign-off, and uh, he's not going to do a second take. He wants to get the fuck out of this town. He's like me with the sketches. One take only. <laughs> And then the Scooby News gang gets back in their van to try and get back to Pittsburgh, but the blizzard that Bill Murray was certain was going to miss them has actually caused a blockage on the highway. Yeah, and the uh, the cop who's telling him about this situation channels his Santa Claus and informs him that he can just go die in the blizzard if he feels yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah, it's like your choice. You can go die in a blizzard or you can go back to Punxsutawney. That's, I uh... feel like there's other towns you could go to. I mean, rural Pennsylvania, it does get pretty spread out, but Punxsutawney really the only place? I mean, it depends how far he drove out of the town, most likely. This is looking like a major highway. They've got to be pretty far from Punxsutawney. (laughs) I will admit that I don't know how Pennsylvania works. I'm just going to be very upfront about it. (laughs) It 
doesn't work. They don't have merge lanes on the highway, but when you go down the, the ramp, there's a stop sign at the end. Oh, great. Yeah, and no lane to build up speed afterwards, so you have to make sure you can fit your car into 70-mile-an-hour oh. fucking traffic from a dead stop. There are certain highways in L.A. that are the same way, and they are fucking terrifying. Any hoozles, they basically have to go back. And by the way, Bill Murray also does his weatherman spiel to the to the, the cop who's telling him he's got to go back. And yeah, but a, a shortened version of it, and he gets indignant as all hell because the cop's telling him about the weather. And he's, I make the weather, but he's freezing. <laughs> he didn't put his jacket on, so he's doing the the weather's like, like he's chattering essentially while trying to do his his weatherman spiel, and I. I thought this was very funny. They stop at a gas station and Bill Murray tries to make a long distance call. By the way, who the fuck is he calling? It is never established who he's trying to get a hold of outside of Punxsutawney. Yeah, I don't know. Just one of those wonderful little things that dates the movie is not only are there no cell phones, but there is specifically long distance calling. Yes, there's long distance calling. And apparently trying to call Pittsburgh is a long distance call from Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. All the long distance lines are down and not even for celebrities will they be able to connect him. <laughs> and then he gets whacked on the head with a snow shovel. I thought that was a great little, <laughs> little punctuation to this scene. Now they're at the uh, the hotel bar, not the B&B bar, they're at the hotel bar that he would not refuse to stay in because it's got a bar. And why is there no blizzard outside? Well, no, they make a point of saying that Punxsutawney will get some snow, but the main blizzard is not hitting the town. But it's God. just outside of it, and that's why they can't get anywhere. Okay, I, I missed that. Bill Murray tells Andy McDowell that he's not going to go to the Groundhog Dinner because he already had Groundhog and uh, tastes like chicken. And then he makes fun of Larry's sweater and leaves because he's a dick. Yep. So back at the bed and breakfast, Bill Murray tries to take a shower, but there's no hot water. And Okay, again, psychopath. I think you were just about to say this. Who stands in the shower in direct line without warming the water up first? Yeah, a fucking crazy person <laughs> is who does that. Like, who gets in the shower and then turns on the shower? I mean, it would be crazier if there was no hot water and he turns it on and he's just like, yes, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Cold like my soul. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so he screams and he does this over-the-top bit in the shower and he jumps out and in his bathroom in the hallway he sees Mrs. Lancaster, the owner, and he's like, hey, um, is there any hot water? And she's like, oh, well, there wouldn't be any today. And he's like, of course there wouldn't be any today. As in, like, this fucking hick town. But she says it so casually as like, well, it's Groundhog Day, we're gonna run out of hot water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not due to the blizzard, not, you know, or anything else getting fucked up. It's just, ah, not today. No. Weird. Yeah, very weird. And so question, is she going, because she has some towels in her hand, is she going to replace the towels in the bathroom, or is she about to go take a frigid shower? <laughs> Uh, fresh linens. I think fresh linens. But I was, during my first watch through, I was just like, is she going to go take a shower knowing that there's no hot water this way? <laughs> she absolutely is aware of the water temperature situation. It's like, dang, Mrs. Lancaster's a badass. She's lusty. <laughs> uh, I have some theories about Mrs. Lancaster. She later. enjoys the sexual assault that's coming up pretty soon. Oh, God. So Bill Murray wakes up, same time, 6 a.m., and we hear the same song on the radio. And the radio DJs are doing the exact same spiel that they were doing 
the day before and bill murray gets up and he's like hey guys play playing the same tape again yeah gives him some shit you know for amateurs and i gotta call this out i didn't do it for the first day there's no way it's that light out at 6 a.m in pennsylvania at the start of february that sun's not coming up for at least another hour and a half again you know how pennsylvania works better (laughs) than i do so i will trust your judgment on the position of the sun in pennsylvania yeah he wakes up at 6 a.m and it looks like it's 10 on a cloudy day <laughs> yeah, it is very bright. But what I'm calling out in this scene is that he's like, you know, in mentally brushing off the repetition on the radio as, okay, they played the same tape from yesterday. Right. And he doesn't freak out. Then they mention Groundhog Day and he's like, wait, what the fuck? Like he, like he turns on a dime. <laughs> Like, you've already dismissed this if, mentally yeah, as if, they if, played if the tape you're replaying something and they say the same thing, that's not unusual. Exactly, but he treats it as, hang the fuck on here, rushes to the window, sees the exact same scene playing out on the street from yesterday, and he's like, whoa? So that was weird. I, yeah. Yeah, it shouldn't strike him as incredibly odd until, you know, big dude comes walking up all holly jolly and going to see the groundhog. Yeah, and then he that's what happens, and he straight up assaults this guy. <laughs> Shoves him against the wall, calls him a pork chop, and he's like, what day is it? And it's like, you know. It's February it's, 2nd, man. It's Groundhog Day. But Bill Murray, like, calms down when he mentions the date. He's like, oh, you know, I, I thought February 2nd happened yesterday. Ha ha, don't worry about this. Don't call your lawyer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Weird attempt to make this casual. <laughs> he looks like he's seen a ghost. Like, he is, he's not bemused. He's already in full panic mode because he comes down and Mrs. Lancaster's like, hey, do you want some coffee? And he's like, yeah, I want some freaking coffee. Not asking for espresso. And he turns to Mrs. Lancaster and he says, hey, have you ever had deja vu? And this is one of my favorite lines of the movie. She's like, I'm not sure I could check with the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) So good. As he, you know, is leaving, she's like, hey, are you going to be leaving today? And he says, "Uh, chance of departure day. 80%. It's now down to 80%. He's not too sure if he's actually going to leave today, given what's just happened. Mm -hmm. When he goes outside, he's like, hey, where's everybody going? And the lady outside is like, to Gobbler's Knob. It's it's, it's Groundhog Day. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, weird dude? I wanted some little, like, Dickensanian kid. You that boy. What day is it today? (laughs) (laughs) Today? Why, it's Groundhog Day, sir. Please, sir, can I have some more Groundhog? And, you know, in response to the fact that she says it's Groundhog Day, he's like, it's still just once a year, isn't it? Like, I'm not going absolutely out of my fucking mind. And so he runs into Ned again. And this time he knows who he is, what he does for a living. And again, I am very uncomfortable with how much Ned is touching him. Don't don't touch people. Jesus, people. <laughs> Like, know that they want to be touched before you touch them. Consent, goddammit. And Bill Murray's, like, super out of it. And because he's super out of it, he once again steps into the puddle. It's a doozy! It's a doozy. And we're back at Gobbler's Knob. (laughs) That's Uh, a G.I. Joe character. (laughs) (laughs) And Bill Murray just needs Andy McDowell to give him a good hard slap in the face and she does not hesitate to slap him for a millisecond. Yeah, not even a, are you serious? Are you okay? She just hauls off and hits him. Wham! <laughs> and Larry's there in case he needs the other cheek to get a little, <laughs> balance it out, you know? <laughs> you know. Just let me know, pal. <laughs> That's so great. Hey, let me know if you need help with the other one. <laughs> 
Larry is sick of Bill Murray's shit. And so... But in the nicest way. <laughs> See, he's there to help. So uh, he wants to talk to her, but, you know, she's like, look, let's just record the segment. We can talk afterwards. And he he's clearly shaken in the segment. He's like, you know, he's not... The snark that was there the first time around is missing. And actually, he just, like, drops the mic during the middle of this and just walks away. Pieces out. And apparently didn't learn about how showers work the first time around because he does the same fucking thing. Yes, that's my note. If everything that's happening to you is a repeat of what happened before, why would you stand in the shower and blast yourself again? And he goes hog wild in this take as he like takes the shower caddy off the the, <laughs> the shower head and just and literally breaks it. He literally breaks it in this in this shot. Day three. <laughs> Well, not quite, because he's oh, no. back. More phone calls. More phone calls, but now he's trying to call from his room. Again, who's even trying to call? And I love that when he's on the phone line with the operator, the time is 4.04. As in, like, you know, 4.04, your web page is not found. <laughs> it's like, but that wasn't a thing yet. That's what's so amazing. Did this movie make it a thing? Is 404 a reference to Groundhog Day? Networking nerds, let me know. That would be amazing. It's someone loved that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Love that movie so I much. I can actually it's... see that happening. <laughs> and so he's like, okay, he's going to do a little test now to see uh, if things change. He snaps a pencil in half and he puts one piece on top of the alarm clock and he puts one at the base of the alarm clock. And he wakes up the next day and the pencil's in one piece on the floor. So that uh, that didn't work. Sonny and Cher playing again. Same mm. guys talking about the groundhog and the blizzard. Yep. He shoves Ned this time when he sees her. Okay. He should not have ran into Ned. Why is that? He wakes up. He starts freaking out about what's on the radio and he just storms out. He doesn't talk to the dude in the hall. He doesn't stop for coffee and have conversations. He is earlier this time. He should not have ran into Ned. You are right. And he still goes through the puddle, but he goes through it a lot quicker. So he gets to slob on a knob and tells Andy <laughs> McDowell that, you know, he's already done this segment twice and just come meet him at the diner when she's done. Like, he's not doing this shit again today. At the diner, Andy McDowell is, uh, she's kind of miffed that Bill Murray didn't do his job. And... He explains that he's living the same day over and over again. And two yokels that we will see again later, hear his name is Phil. They're like, oh, you look like Phil, just like, like the groundhog. And he's like, yeah, just like the groundhog, fuckers. You know this happens to him every year around this time, and especially when he has to go to this town. <laughs> yeah, he's like an annual groundhog day. Like, he's already been living certain parts of this day already in his life. <laughs> he wants Andy McDowell to help him because she's his producer. And what? What do you think she could do to help you, dude? Like, where are you going with this? <laughs> yeah, apparently producers can just fabricate things out of thin air or just, you know, rewrite reality to create a new scenario for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, producers do amazing things on a daily basis, you know, because they have to make the thing happen. But that's a tall order there, Bill Murray. That's a tall order. So Larry comes in and says they should get back to Pittsburgh before they get caught in the storm. But uh, Bill Murray already, by the way, after like reliving this day once, is already resigned to being there. I mean, I guess maybe it would have broken the movie, but I, I always expected day three or four, wake up and just try to leave town. Just get out before the blizzard. 
exactly. Like, I at least see him a couple times attempt to leave, and, like, something happens, and he's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. But, no, by second time around, second repeat, he's like, fuck, I'm stuck here. There's he no is point. resigned, yeah, to his eternity in Pugsatani. <laughs> you know, Andy McDowell tells Bill Murray that, look, he needs help, and that's he's like, that's what I'm trying to tell you. I need help. The help he apparently gets first is he goes to visit uh, Harold Ramis, the neurologist. Yeah, Dr. Harold Ramis, who just x-rays his skull. But tells him that if he needs a CAT scan or an MRI, he's going to have to go back to Pittsburgh. And Bill Murray's like, well, no, I can't do that. And Harold Ramis is like, hey, man, maybe you need to go see a psychiatrist. Well, here's what I don't understand. He talks about how he can't go to Pittsburgh because of the blizzard. And Dr. Harold Ramis responds like he's crazy. He's like, oh... The blizzard, yeah. Like, okay, Pat, Pat, sit down, I'll get you your milk, you know. <laughs> but the people on the radio were talking about it. Mrs. Lancaster at the B&B was talking about the blizzard. This is a known thing. Why does Dr. Harold Ramis just not think that the blizzard's a thing? It, 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 ah! Is the blizzard in the room with us right now? <laughs> can, you, can you hear the blizzard? What's the blizzard, What's the blizzard? <laughs> The blizzard's rubbing my shoulders? Is that? <laughs> Can you tell the blizzard a little lower? I got some real tension. But man, Harold Ramis looks rough in this movie. Last time we saw him was Ghostbusters, and oof, he's looking rough like 10 years later. Bill Murray, he's looking a little older. Not that rough. Harold Ramis is looking fucking rough. So now Bill Murray goes to see a psychiatrist on Harold Ramis' doctor's orders, and wow, shrinks still had ashtrays in their office in the early 90s. That was like the thing that drew my oh, eye. Oh, yeah, the they're smoking everywhere in this movie. It's not quite this movie brought to you by smoking levels, but yeah, just casual smoking. And this psychiatrist is absolutely stumped as to how to help Bill Murray. You know, he's like, look, I help out couples. I help out this. You know, I got my first alcoholic. And he's like super excited about that. But he thinks that they should meet up again. How's tomorrow for him? And Bill Murray's just like, Jesus Christ, now help me <laughs> if I have to come back tomorrow. <laughs> so now we're in a bowling alley. And this is a bowling alley before you had computers keeping score for you. <laughs> like when I started bowling, it was the computer kept the score for you. And you had the animations on the TV screen. Like, I mean, that, how bowling is now, but like, that's how I started. Yeah, I never had the paper scorecard or anything like that either. Yeah, but this looked like overhead projectors. Like, it was overhead projectors for, and you had to keep your own score. Yeah, similar sort of thing in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure where Napoleon cheats at bowling. <laughs> <laughs> and it's projected up so they can all see him making the, like, different marks and shit. Oh, man. Bill Murray's having drinks at the bar with the yokels from the diner who were like, oh, your name's Phil. Although I think Bill Murray's just drinking coffee now that I think about it. They're having beer and shots and he's he's drinking coffee. Yeah. And he's like, man, you know, I, I once had this, you know, bang this chick in the Virgin Islands. And why couldn't I relive that day? Why do I have to relive this fucking day? It's bullshit. And he's like, oh, you know, they kind of start elbowing each other when he mentioned that he had sex with this woman like they were in middle school. Like, ah, oh, this guy, he fucks. 
Okay, there's something that I'm curious, but don't really want to know the specifics of it. But when he talks about this amazing vacation, he talks about how they had sex like sea otters. Yeah, I don't need to know the <laughs> physics, like the physicality of Did it that? just mean that they fucked in the ocean? Or, or... <laughs> or was there some cosplay involved? Were they making sea otter noises? Oh, no. Oh no! No 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 no! I don't think it's no 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 no. It's it's about smashing the clam with the rock. Going to hell. And I'm done with this podcast. John is going to be taking it from here for the rest of the episode. I'm going to go crawl in a hole somewhere. I'm sorry. I need some bleach for my ears now. Bleach? Just I'm just going to go drink whatever's under the sink in my kitchen until I stop feeling things. And so, yeah, so he's like, what would you do if you were stuck in one place day after day and nothing you did mattered? And this really hits It hits w- one of these dudes hard. <laughs> he where he's takes just a like, shot and he's just like, oh, fuck, this guy just described my life. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yep, pretty much right there with you, man. And so outside, these guys, they're pretty wasted. They're going to drive Bill Murray home. And I love what the one guy says to the other. Like, the one guy's like clearly more wasted than the other. And he's like, no, give me your keys. Give me your keys. Friends don't let friends drive. Yeah, just leaves it at drive. <laughs> just leaves it at that. Not even don't drive drunk. And the slightly more sober friend backs the car up way too much. And he gets out. It's like, you know what, Bill Murray? You should drive. And I think that's why they showed Bill Murray drinking coffee inside. So he wouldn't be drunk driving and then he tries to continue the conversation they had again by restarting it of what if nothing mattered what if you what if there was no tomorrow and the one drunk guy's like you know well there'd be no consequences there'd be no hangovers you know we could do whatever we wanted and bill murray's like yeah we could do whatever we wanted apparently he wanted nothing more than to run over some mailboxes and drive on some train tracks yeah he runs over a mailbox right in front of the cops the cops start chasing him he takes them for a bit of a ride makes them crash into some newspaper vending machines bill murray starts complaining out loud about like the you know the rules of society places on you like you know brush your teeth and stand up straight and blah 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 don't drive on the train tracks. And he starts <laughs> driving on the train tracks. And these two drug yokels sober. They right sober the, the fuck, fuck up. up. <laughs> yes, they do. Wow. He's like, hey, hey, Bill, that's a rule I happen to agree with. This is, you know. This is bad. And then a light starts coming towards him. And, ah, don't worry. I'm sure he'll swerve first. <laughs> he'll swerve first. And the cops are on the tracks chasing him. Okay. At least at the start of the train track sequence. <laughs> Okay, those cops died, right? Right. Those cops had to have died, unless, like, because we don't see them swerving. No. Bill Murray swerves at the last second, and because of the distance between the cop car and Bill Murray on these train tracks, logically, those cops got creamed. Yeah, yeah. So they're dead. And eventually, they get chased into a vacant lot. Well, not a vacant lot. There's, there's cars in this lot, but he crashes through a giant flat wooden painting of... Gobbler's knob. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he crashes through this giant gopher. The cop comes over and he gives the cop a fast food order. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'll take some burgers, some fries, some shakes. Like, and the guy's like, I want flapjacks. Is it too early for flapjacks? <laughs> <laughs> and then wham, Bill Murray ends up in jail. But not for long, because he wakes up again in his B&B, and now he's kind of, like, excited about the possibilities of having 
a consequence-free life because he goes down and he asks Mrs. Lancaster, hey, were the cops around looking for me? And she's like, no, I don't think so. And then she sexually assaults her because he's feeling good about stuff. Just gives her a big old kiss and she's like, oh my. Just a hand on the cheek and a little bit excited by it. Yeah. That's not the general reaction women give when you kiss them when they're not asking for it. Anyways. um, Well, I mean, you know. Weather celebrity, though. Weather, that's true. Neither (laughs) of us are local news weather anchors. They might have a very different experience. But in general, once again, you know, we're back in the town square. Again, does not give the homeless guy money. And he knocks Ned right the fuck out. It was so (laughs) good. comes running up to him, Phil, Phil. And he just goes, Ned? And does the biggest, like, telegraph wind-up punch you've ever seen. It's amazing. Because again, as an introvert who hates people doing that kind of thing, I would just love to. Yeah, how many times have you just wanted to do this? Uh, I still don't think Bill Murray's an asshole. Even the movie wants us to believe that. (laughs) At this time, he does not step in the icy puddle. He's getting his groove in this new reality. Mm -hmm. But he watches another guy step into it, and he cockily jumps over. So at the diner, Andy McDowell is just marveling in disgust at like all the shit ton of food that Bill Murray's eating because he's like, there's no consequences. You know, I can just eat whatever the fuck I want. He's like cakes and pastries and bacon and eggs. And she's like, yeah, this is this is really attractive watching a guy with advancing years, you know, just eating all these fucking carbs. Carbs, fat, sweets. Hell yeah. The drugs are definitely still in effect here because she insults him via poetry. What the hell, lady? Insults him via poetry. We learned later that she studied French poetry in college, so this makes sense. But she does it in response to Bill Murray shoving it entire piece of cake in his mouth that's a very strange response i'm telling you it's the drugs man it is the drugs also he gets like the you know you know how the waitress like brings the coffee around in one of those like insulated decanters he just takes it takes it takes the whole he's like i'm just gonna take that and i'm gonna drink straight from the decanter it's amazing and larry comes in says you know hey we gotta go gotta get ahead of the weather and bill maher's like no it's cool I'm just going to stay here. Hey, Larry, you want to get some of this before you go? Like, it's, it's really good. Then he starts chatting to a Her name is Nancy. Yeah, he's on the way out and sees a woman that he wants to fuck. This conversation could not happen today. I honestly believe that if someone came up to me and asked these questions, they were trying to get into my email account. Yeah. <laughs> But even like then, it's so creepy. It's like, hey, what's your name? What's your high school? Who's yeah, your where did you go to high school? Who was your English teacher? It's like, these are the password protect questions. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but in general, it like, gives a full name. Even before password protection, like whatever, this is like, she. he can look you up on the phone book and find out where you live kind of thing. Like this, is, like this is a strange man sitting down next to you asking incredibly personal details about your life and she's just like, here, have yeah, them, Yeah, I dude. know it's small town and, you know, supposedly people are just more trusting everything, but this is uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. And then it's, it's not like, okay. just, oh, let's help a stranger. It's ask me anything and I will give you the most intimate details about my past. Yeah. So once he's got those three bits of information, he pieces out. And she's like, hey, where are you? What? What? I'm going to create email so I can hack it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where the gaslighting of Nancy begins. Oh, <laughs> the next boy. Day, oh, yeah, because he, he, one of the questions was, was she at the groundhog ceremony? So the next day, the next February 2nd, he finds her there and pulls a Ned Ryerson on her. <laughs> 
Nancy? Nancy Taylor? We went to the same school. We went to... This is the same shit Ned said when he walked up to him. Yeah, and he bullshits her into thinking that they sat next to each other in English. Well, yeah, he knows all this information, so it it must be true, even though she didn't really remember it. So she's kind of like, okay, yeah. And finds the fact that he's a news reporter very, very impressive. Damn, yeah. So much so that when he says, hey... I'm going to go do this news report. You wait for me right here. She is super duper compliant with that order from a guy who she kind of just met, even though allegedly they know each other. And that night, uh, making out ensues on a couch in front of a fake fire. And he starts calling her Rita. Yeah. Rita being Andy McDowell's character's name. And she's like, hey, is this some kind of one night stand? No, I totally want to spend my life with you. And then just goes back to calling her Rita and they just go with it. Oh, Rita. And she's like, Nancy. And he's like, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) And she just keeps going with it. First of all, lady, if you think that somebody loves you after one day of hanging out, that is on you. Like, he's a scumbag for what he's doing, but that's on you. Also. And calling you by someone else's name during a makeup session. That's when I knew it was meant to be. When she referred to me as Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Considering that he knows that there are no consequences to his actions, this could have gone a lot worse. And I'm not going to spell <laughs> yes. out exactly what I mean, listener, because in I think you're smart ways. enough. In, in numerous, numerous ways. ways. Yeah. And I think the movie knew that it could only get away with him doing a certain level of scumbaggery because otherwise we would lose any sort of investment in his story. But yeah. Oh, but there's plenty more to come. (laughs) There's plenty more to come. But like this could have been way scummier than it went down Mm -hmm. on screen. Mm-hmm. Anywho, we're on another day, and uh, he's planning on robbing an armored truck. This scene right here is what I imagine kind of the idea of how the movie was originally supposed to start off. Because it's just this thing, he's just naming shit right before it happens. Yeah. Truck pulls up, oh, addressed your bra there, you know, and the woman walking does it, and, you know, car as he's walking across <laughs> the street. Does Nobody it. honks at him, by the way. And great timing and everything for this because bill murray is just staring straight off and this car literally drives right in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> and the the woman who's approaching the armored car is the waitress from the diner and she's talking to the uh two quite advanced in years gentlemen who are supposedly the armored car guards yeah armored Cars that deliver cash are not mobile banks. You cannot do what the waitress does and walk up and ask for a roll of quarters in exchange. Yeah, she gives them a ten. That is not how this works. Businesses order money and they deliver the certain amount. Yeah, <laughs> but apparently, like you know, it's a small town, and hey, I know you, waitress. So yeah, sure, I'll exchange your roll of quarters. They're gonna get all the quarters they ordered minus one plus a ten dollar bill. As we just stand here with the doors open. Yeah, and the roll of quarters falls apart. It was apparently held together with wishes because it just <laughs> splats across the floor. And while they're all trying to help her pick up all the quarters, that's when Bill. Murray comes yeah, to the back of the what truck. What fucking world is this where a roll of coins does not become a like fucking piece of concrete? Yeah, every roll of quarters I've ever had has been tightly packed and a 
bitch to get open. But yeah, so it's, you know, it's made out of thoughts and prayers, and so it crumbles apart everywhere. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and so Bill Murray, while they're trying to, while they're scrambling to pick up quarters, Bill Murray just walks up and grabs one of the bags. And the two guards, like, stand up and they look and they're like, did we, did we have another bag? Weren't there two? I don't remember. I don't know. They suck at their job. They really suck at their job. Also, the bags of cash are made out of leather, which was strange to me. Like, I'm sure, like, back in the day, no, yeah. Is, like These are just handbags. <laughs> these are handbags, but, like, what's crazy? Like, I, I imagine that money bags back in the day might have been made of canvas or maybe even leather, but this is the early 90s. Uh, at least they didn't put a big dollar sign on it. <laughs> and they didn't have Bill Murray dress up in a striped outfit and, uh, like, a black mask. In a generic black Lone Ranger mask. So now we get Bill Murray driving up in a Mercedes to a movie theater theater while we're what the fuck is this scene i don't know i think it's just supposed to show that he's literally just doing whatever the fuck he feels like but it's the only time something like this happens in the movie he shows up dressed like he's in a clint eastwood movie literally as clint eastwood in any of his spaghetti westerns yes with the poncho the little uh the cigarillo cigarillo yeah and even trying to make that serious eastwood face And then his date arrives in a French maid outfit. Well, it comes out of the car in the French maid outfit. It's like, hey, I thought we were going to a costume party. And it's like, no, he his fetish is apparently tricking women into dressing up in French maid outfits so he could go to the movie in a Clint Eastwood outfit and do a bit. And the movie is Heidi 2. What, what is Heidi 2? I couldn't find Heidi 2. This is two. not a real thing. Uh, Hamlet 2 is a real thing and it's amazing but Heidi 2 does not exist and he's apparently seen this movie a hundred times which is might be literal he is the only one in the audience doing like a Rocky Horror screening where he's (laughs) he's saying the quotes as they happen and throwing shit at the screen (laughs) uh we could make Heidi 2 you're tearing me apart Heidi (laughs) that's not Rocky Horror and what's great is that Nancy walks by the lady he tricked into having sex with him earlier, and she does not recognize him because clearly the day's reset and he's had his fun with her. So he says some stuff to her, like, hey, just hey, Nancy, or something like that. And she turns this look like, who the fuck are you? And he's like, that's yeah, one of my exes. <laughs> so clearly he's using his powers to, like, have sex with all the women he can in town. So my question to you is, John, what do you think the chances are that he had sex with Mrs. Lancaster? I think it calls for an 80% chance of penetration. we leave you audience with 80% penetration on the mind uh we're gonna take a break and we'll be right back for the second half of groundhog day all right men welcome to the first ever meeting of punxsutawney's town council while our little town is still very new I'm sure it will accomplish great things and not simply become known for an obscure festival immortalized in a movie 140 years from now. Uh, Mr. Mayor, what's a movie? I don't know. I recently had a bad fever. Something that's stuck in my head. Anyway, we still have one very important matter of business. Choosing the name of our town green. We want to make sure that this is appropriate for a community-focused, family-friendly, 
and God-fearing image we shall be known for. Indeed. Now, Councilman Felcher, will you please read out the names from the suggestion box? All right. First suggestion, fucker's butt. Mm, No, 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 no. That won't do at all. I feel we'll be the butt of a lot of jokes with that one. What else? Uh, we have Banger's Gang. Gang? Heavens no! I will not have our fine town be associated with such criminality. Okay, there's also Corner's Hole, Liquor's Pussy, and Sniffer's Taint. Hmm, all very fine names, but nothing very enduring in the spirit. Anything else in there? Well, we have one more, uh, that is Gobbler's Knob. Hmm, Gobbler's Knob. Why, yes, that is a fine name. My father himself was a gobbler, like his father before him. Why, those men could gobble a knob like no other. In fact, if I hadn't become mayor, I would probably be gobbling knobs this very moment. Ah! Excellent idea, Felcher. I could think of no finer name for our town green than Gobbler's Knob. Mr. Mayor, don't you think Gobbler's Knob sort of sounds like, you know, sucking a dick? Wherever do you come up with these notions? Very filthy, Felcher. Very, very (laughs) filthy, Felcher. And we're back. And uh, we're in the van at Slub on a Knob. And Bill Murray asks Andy McDowell what she would do if she only had one day to live. You know, if if the world was going to end, like, what would she do? I'd, you know, want to know where to point the camera. Like, she's super duper into her job. And he's making it seem like he just wants to talk to her. But pretty much, he's probably banged every chick in town at this point. And he's like, well, there's just Andy McDowell left. So I'm going to see what I can do to to have sex with her now. Let the gaslighting begin. Mm, Turn the gas all the way up on that light. And you can always see when the drugs wear off. She's going along with him and having a pleasant time, and then she is so good at switching into getting weirded out. Yes. This is going along, and then all of a sudden it just dawns on her. It's like, this isn't right. (laughs) This is not an okay situation. (laughs) But it builds up because he is basically trial and erroring his way to learning about her and crafting the perfect day that's going to get him laid. Yep. First, he starts off with, you know, look, I just want to get to know you. I just want to buy a cup of coffee. And he's like, look, I'll, I'll get you a coffee and a donut. She's like, cool. Donuts cinch the deal there. In the diner, you know, ask her what she wants out of life. She's like, look, I want everything that everyone wants. I want marriage. I want a career, love, children. But then when he asks whether or not she's seeing anyone, she's like, hey, that's way too personal. You are overstepping (laughs) boundaries. I've just told you my hopes and dreams, but that's a little much. Me seeing someone? Whoa. (laughs) And then she asks him what he wants. And he's like, look, what I really want is someone like you. And yeah, basically gets a verbal eye roll from Andy McDowell, like, asks her you know what are perfect guys she's like look the perfect guy he's too humble to know that he's perfect he's intelligent supportive funny romantic courageous you know so me yeah me (laughs) also ladies if you have a list of characteristics that you are looking for in a guy that is this long you're yeah you're gonna die alone you're gonna (laughs) die alone and you're gonna be drinking white wine in your 50s and like hating on men because it's okay. There'll be plenty of cats. There'll be lots of cats for you. 
And so, like, Bill Murray's okay, like, taking notes in his mind. Like, cool, cool, cool. I just got to be all of this. I got to convince her that I'm all of this. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, the next day, I think, he sabotages the news van. And that is going to force Andy McDowell to stay in town. Then he goes to the hotel bar to chat Which would have happened anyway. But he wants it to happen earlier so that he can kind of get to it. I get what you're saying, but it's still a weird way to go about doing it because early on, originally, his thing was, we're going to show up, we're going to do the groundhog thing, and we're going to get fuck out of this town. And she's talking about like, oh, we should stay and see some of the festivities and, you know, we can get footage of the town and the local culture and everything. She was down for staying there. I think it was about getting back to Pittsburgh because of the blizzard. I think Larry coming in with the blizzard is the thing that pushes her to leave early. That's my explanation. I mean, I I guess, but again, she was totally... Totally down to stick around. I, anyway. Well, this helps make sure that that definitely happens. <laughs> He's not leaving anything up to chance. Yeah, because now the van's quote unquote broken because he literally just ripped a part out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's got a lot of hoses and wires coming out of it. So, yeah, so he chats her up at the hotel bar. And he uses his power for resetting the day to, like, get her drink order. And this is one of, like, the two times we hear a black person talk in the entire movie. It's it's the bartender taking the bar order. This bartender was in The Fugitive. Really? He's the guy who gives Harrison Ford the slides, the liver samples towards the end for him to go look at. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, even though he, Bill Murray uses his power to, of resetting the day to give the exact same drink order as her, he's like, oh, that's mine too. And like, oh, learns what she likes to toast to. Oh, I like to toast to world peace. So reset the day. Oh, I'm going to order the same drink as you. And here's to world peace. And even black bartender sees through his bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and again, she gives this face of, this is a little weird. Like, okay, we, we got the same drink. That's neat. And then they did their toast. But then the next time he does, what she likes to toast to world peace is she's like uh, what that's weird <laughs> but the black bartender just like shakes his head like this fucking guy's full of shit <laughs> so now they're at a a fudge shop a candy shop oh who knows she does not like white chocolate so he makes a note of that and he starts saying that oh yeah you know small town folk are much more real than city folk which impresses her and th- it comes across as something that he clearly gleaned from one of the loops that he's mm-hmm. been through mm-hmm. and she's like man this whole experience seems like so familiar and she asks him whether he ever gets deja vu and he's like didn't you just ask me that Ha 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 ha. It's a joke, you see. And then suddenly Keanu Reeves and Lawrence Fishburne are there shooting guns all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) Agents show up. Black cats start crossing paths. Andy McDowell becomes Hugo Weaving. (laughs) (laughs) So now we're in a German restaurant for dinner. Bill Murray continues to say whatever he thinks she wants to hear in order to impress her. And uh, I just saw the giant mugs of beer this like waitress lady brings to the table. And I just got him miss Germany. Finds out Eddie McDowell studied 19th century French poetry in college. And he just bursts out laughing right at her face. It's just like. <laughs> was such a wonderfully natural reaction. Yeah. It's like, that's fucking. St- oh, shit. I mean, yeah. If you were anyone else, that'd be. Ah, fuck this one up. <laughs> so he has to like do it again. And we go however far ahead in time. I love that they don't keep track of that. But then like he can just from memory start spouting out French poetry. <laughs> yes. And she's like, wait, you speak French? And he's like, 
We. <laughs> and this gets him to the next step. Uh, the next step being making snowmen outside in the cold. And, you know, he's talking about, oh, I can't wait to have my own kids someday and do this with them and blah, blah, blah. And then some rascally little rascals come up and throw snowballs at them and they all have a snowball fight. And he's like, I will defend you, my queen, you know, like really hamming it up. And they fall down in the snow and they have romantic eye contact. And now he's kind of, he's locked into the home stretch here. He's he's getting real close. Dance under a bandstand. Gazebo have another intense. Okay. I have questions about this. Okay. What are they dancing to? Uh, the movie's soundtrack. They can hear the movie's soundtrack. <laughs> like, yeah, we have the soundtrack that we can hear. This is the 90s. They would have to have a giant boombox sitting yep. out there somewhere. Because otherwise, they are dancing to nothing. And that is what psychos do. <laughs> Her drugs are still pumping full force. And he's a psychopath. And they are dancing to silence. Yeah, he keeps waking up on his back. Yeah, he's he's that guy. Uh, yeah, so they are dancing to silence. Uh... <laughs> and they're, so now they're walking up to the Airbnb. Not the Airbnb. Ah, <laughs> uh, Calibri Green. Uh, they're walking up to the B&B, just the regular bed and breakfast not the internet thing we have now uh and andy mcdell is amazed that you could start the day with one expectation of someone and end it with something completely different and she's like you know this was the perfect day you couldn't plan a day like this and he's like well actually you can it just takes a lot of work <laughs> but bill murray tells andy mcdell that he wants to show her something i mean it's definitely his dick but he doesn't quite say it that way <laughs> well i this was such a wonderful take on the whole hey you want to come in for a cup of coffee thing because he's like hey i want to show you something oh i shouldn't it's kind of late i should get back to the hotel he goes no no i really just want to show you this one thing and i'm gonna kick your ass out in a minute <laughs> and that gets her laughing so she comes inside his later actions would determine that was a lie <laughs> so there it is rube and yeah because apparently what he wanted to show her was his cozy little air you know not fuck his cozy little b&b just keep calling it airbnb it's, it's not fine. Airbnb. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. They are not paying us to fucking use their brand. They need to Airbnb give us money. Fuck you. Um, so <laughs> that's a great way to get sponsors. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. Sponsor us. Give me money so I can just shove it all the way up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Am I gonna say nice things, nice things about your brand? Fuck you. Pay me and find out. <laughs> you don't know. Oh, so asks her to sit down in front of the fake fire, acknowledges that the fire is fake, which is nice. She says, hey, it's a really wonderful room. And he looks at her and he says, it is now. And making out ensues. So cheesy. Oh, uh, yeah. However, things are moving a little too fast for Andy McDowell and she kind of wants to leave. But Bill Murray really wants her to stay and is like really pressuring her to stay, like uncomfortably pressuring her to try and stay. Was there ever a better moment to play Baby, It's Cold Outside? I was thinking the same thing as I watched <laughs> this. I was like, mm, this is a Baby, It's Cold Outside moment. <laughs> this is, she's literally saying, I shouldn't stay here. <laughs> oh. And where the fuck did the ice cream come from? So because he, this was his, clearly his backup plan because he's like, oh fuck, she's leaving. I know that her favorite yeah, ice yeah, cream. Yeah, the Rocky Road ice cream that he's keeping on the windowsill to keep it cold. No, no. My question is, when did he get it? They've spent all day together. 
When did he smuggle ice cream to the windowsill? There are ways and means of getting ice cream to your bed and breakfast bedroom. Like, he must have, like, gotten up and bypassed a few Just things. Just DoorDash it to my Airbnb. <laughs> In 1993. That's right. I bet you could call up the local ice cream place in 1993 and ask them to deliver you a pint in a small town, Pennsylvania. I bet you they'd do it. When I lived in Pennsylvania, there was a a pizza place that refused to deliver to us because their drivers kept getting mugged in that town. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah, they were down the road and on the other side of the river in, in a separate little small town. And over to where I lived, their drivers kept getting mugged and their cash stolen. So they stopped delivering to our town. Oh, my God. Just across the river. Where is this town so I can avoid it? <laughs> Mordor. <laughs> it's, no, it's out in the mountains. And there's a coal plant. So there's this fire that burns all day and all night. So we called it the glowing eye of Sauron. And, and because of this coal plant, the town has this foul smell to it. It was fucking Mordor. Oh, my God. Okay, don't go to Mordor. It's called it... Manesson, and it sucks. Manesson in what state? Pennsylvania. Just south of Pittsburgh. Cool. Nobody ever go to Manesson, Pennsylvania, because apparently it's fucking Mordor. <laughs> I'm sorry to our Manesson listeners. You live in Mordor. <laughs> they know it. They know it. Okay, yeah. good. Um. So... He's like, no, I got French poetry. I've got Rocky Road ice cream that he's been chilling on the windowsill because it's that fucking cold outside. And he's like, you have to stay. And, he, you know, she really wants to leave and keeps trying to pressure her to and stay. And this, this is where the drugs wear off. <laughs> yeah, he fucks up because he's like, you know, I love you. He's pulling out all the stops to try and get it because he told Nancy he loved her and that's how he got her to fuck him. Mm-hmm. This does not work on Andy McDowell because Mm-mm. she's like, okay, I see what's going on she here. She sobers up quick very fast she's like okay you you clearly called on my friends you learned what i like and now you're using this and you're a fucking creep and she's like i ate fudge like he's like okay so no fudge she's like what the fuck are you doing are you making some kind of list like this <laughs> yeah. Is- <laughs> yeah everything he fucks up he gives himself a little verbal reminder <laughs> and you know she's like look she could never love anyone like him because he doesn't love anyone but himself slaps him and leaves and he gets to the the snowman part of the date again but he's just clearly so desperate and this prompts slap montage oh this second snowman scene is amazing i absolutely love this because you know yeah he planned out a lot of this shit but the first time they're making the snowman and they're chatting and then the kids come with the snowballs and we just had this fun moment And he's trying to recreate that spontaneous moment. And, oh, no, the kids are here. Let's, you know, (laughs) just so awkwardly not working. (laughs) And so by the time that she's on the snow and he's plopping down like, hey, isn't this great? She's looking at him like, the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) Yeah, he's clearly trying to recreate the magic that happened spontaneously in the last loop. And it's not working because he's desperate. He's desperate at this point because he knows how badly he fucked up after how much more effort he put in to get her into his bedroom. Yep. And as you had just mentioned, and literally my note, slap montage. Slap montage. (laughs) Just lots and lots of Andy McDowell slapping Bill Murray. If you don't like Bill Murray, just play this on Groundhog's Day because this is just. (laughs) And what's wonderful about this is all the slaps are happening at different places and different times of the day. He doesn't keep fucking this up like at a certain point. He's fucking it up all over town all day long. 
he's clearly trying different things. He's clearly like the one way that's, you know, through the snowman doesn't work every, like he clearly realized that doesn't work. He's got to try different things and all these different things fuck up and it ends up with him getting slapped because ultimately he's lying about his intentions. He's not a good person. Yeah. He's still got some growth to do. And because he can't seal the deal, Andy McDowell, he has now lost all will to live. Yes. He, he sadly walks past a bunch of ice sculptures of groundhogs to sad saxophone music. So we're at another iteration of the gobblers. I've run out of alts for that for right now. Uh, Gobblers just called by its name. That's awesome enough. (laughs) (laughs) And Bill Murray looks terrible. Andy McDowell asks him if he had a rough night and he's like, yeah. He's had a rough night. The alarm clock is one of those flip clocks. Um, It flips through the various times and we get an ominous flip of the flip clock because the infinite loop has ceased to be fun. Uh, Bill Murray is super depressed. In fact, uh, he's he's reciting the radio DJ's banter, but he doesn't have the radio on because he knows it so well. He doesn't even need to hear them say it. I missed that fact. That's amazing. And now he's watching Jeopardy in his pajamas with the old folks and a bottle of Jim Beam, and he's getting all the questions right before the guests answer them. And the old folks are super impressed, but he freaks Mrs. Lancaster the fuck out when he gives the answer before Alex Trebek has even asked the question. Mrs. Lancaster's like, witch. This guy's a fucking witch. I mean, I've gone through some depressive periods before, and uh, I'm very much an introvert. I have never taken to the task of memorizing an episode of Jeopardy. That is some next level shit right there. But here's the thing. There's only so much that's going to be on TV. Then they probably don't have a video store there. Yeah, that's true. We still have no idea how much time he's actually spent reliving this same goddamn day. (laughs) Um, and now he gives an unhinged report at Gobbler's Knob. He's like, it's going to be cold. It's going to be gray. It's going to be the, you talk about winter, and it's going to last the rest of your life. And he looks at Andy McDowell, followed by a montage of him just breaking that alarm clock over and over again. So now Bill Murray's come to the edge of his sanity. <laughs> he gives a very unhinged report at Gobbler's Knob. Uh, Andy McDowell approaches him at the van, and he's like, look, I've come to the end of me, and I want you to remember that we had a beautiful day together once. And then he goes and steals the fucking groundhog. (laughs) Yeah, they've wrapped up the ceremony, so groundhog's in his cage, and they put him in a truck, which apparently was just running. (laughs) Was just running, or like had the key of the ignition because it's a small town, and you can trust people. Yeah, he just gets in and drives off. (laughs) And as the beginning of this chase scene, my music note is, it's salsa night at the senior center. (laughs) (laughs) It's very peppy. <laughs> but it's just that like there's a great line here because it sparks a car chase. The mayor gets into another car. The cops chase after him. And so do Andy McDowell and Larry. And Andy McDowell's like, you know, why would anyone steal a groundhog? And Larry's like, I can think of a couple reasons. Pervert. It's like, Larry. What are those reasons, buddy? And why are you thinking about groundhogs like that? Doesn't mean he acts on them. He just has those thoughts. He just has those urges towards Larry. Larry, my dude, get help. So this car chase goes on for a little bit. It's, you know, not all that action-packed. It's a lot of cuts to Bill Murray supposedly letting the groundhog steer like he's just talking <laughs> which is to amazing it. yeah but they chase him like into this quarry and so everyone just stops at the entrance <laughs> they don't continue to chase him 
yeah, apparently this quarry has one entrance in, one entrance out. They're like, we got him trapped. So we're just going to sit here and, you know, he'll he'll tucker himself out. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, you'll get bored. <laughs> There's only limestone around here. Like, what the fuck are you going to do with limestone and a groundhog? Not much, let me tell you. Larry could tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Larry's got some ideas. <laughs> so... It's weird because like, they clearly have a fake groundhog for the wide shots, but it kind of looks like a ferret from a distance like, <laughs> that they've got attached. So like as he's like steering the steering wheel, this like, little ferret thing flips back and forth. It's, it's pretty funny. But then Bill Murray's like, all right, groundhog, we got to die. Like he, he takes this groundhog with him. He's not like, all right, be free, my furry friend. I'm going to go kill myself. He's like, I'm taking you with me, motherfucker, because mm-hmm. he drives off a ledge into the quarry with this groundhog. Yep. And it crashes on the bottom and it's amazing. And Andy McDowell's like, oh no. And Larry's like, yeah, he's pro- he might be fine. And then it explodes. Boom. <laughs> okay, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> but that didn't work because Bill Murray once again wakes up in the bed and breakfast. <laughs> and cue a very quick suicide montage because he grabs the toaster from the breakfast area. Doesn't get out of his pajamas, by the way. He's over this shit. Grabs the toaster, plugs the toaster in in the bathroom, plunges it down, and bzzzt. Okay, is he just this dead inside, or was there hot water in the morning? Because there is no reaction to getting into that tub. That is a great question. Do they finally have hot water? They only have it in the morning. They ran out by the time it's shower time at the end of the day. He's like, look, the electricity is going to warm me up right before I die. It's going to be fine. Steps in front of a car. He jumps off a bell tower. I just remember being very affected by the bell. I don't know why. The bell tower thing, when I first watched this movie, I was like, ooh, that's the bad one. Like, I I don't know why. I had a very visceral reaction to him jumping off the bell tower. For me, it's because there's one shot of POV looking down from the bell tower. And, like, you just see people walking around. Oh, just don't give a fuck. (laughs) Well, no. I mean, of course, they don't notice him up there. But for me, it's just the like when he hits, there's people just strolling and going about their day. That's the reason that one got to me. The other ones, it's like he's either alone or it's a couple people. Yeah, stepping in front of a bus, of course, there's going to be people, but you don't see them. But what's really weird about this sequence is that after he jumps off the tower, we see his body in the morgue and Mm -hmm. Eddie McDowell and Larry are there to identify him. Yeah. So what's fucked up is that he dies, but the day doesn't reset. Right. So what this tells me is that we got a branching timeline situation here. And every time he's done these shitty things or died or whatever, there is a world where people have gone on having put up with this shit or having gone through this stuff. That's all horrifying. This is why this is a horror movie. This is why like the implications of a lot of the shit are absolutely fucking horrifying. Only if you think about it. And now we're back at the diner, and Bill Murray tells Andy McDowell that he's a god. <laughs> he's like, look, look, I'm not the god, but I'm a god. Like, I can't die. He talks about how, all the ways he's died, and he's talking about all the ways he's died while the waitress is trying to take his fucking breakfast order. Yeah, special days are blueberry waffles. I have been shot, stabbed. <laughs> I cannot die. Like, I could come back later, you guys. This is This is weird for me. <laughs> Andy McDowell seems to have some very weird qualifications when it comes to identifying deities. And what would that be? You're not a god. I would know because I went to 12 years of Catholic school. There's a lot of gods outside of Catholicism, Andy McDowell. You you might have some expertise with one. But not all of them. The fact that you went to Catholic school isn't much of a qualification for anything. Yeah. 
as somebody who went to some Catholic schools, I can absolutely fucking back that up. And so he's like, he's going to prove it. And he goes around the diner, basically giving everybody's life stories of people being like, yep, that's me. Most aren't weirded out. Including, by the way, Michael Shannon. Yeah. Holy fucking shit. You only see him twice. And in this, like, okay, he does not have Paul Rudd syndrome. This man has definitely aged. Right. You barely get a glimpse of him here. And later on, he gets more of a scene, and I still didn't recognize him. Nick had sent me a text, holy shit, Michael Shannon's in this movie. I watched it and went, where? And had to look it up. But here's the thing. I was like, holy shit, Michael Shannon, from this scene. This is when I texted you. I saw his profile. You barely catch his profile. How the hell did you realize that was him? You see, John, I am a god. But my power is I can identify Michael Shannon in profile in whatever movie he's in. I can... (laughs) Well, I went to public school in four different states, so... Yeah. Yeah, I buy that. That that makes sense. That follows. (laughs) I am qualified to say that. Okay, I I am John's god now. Uh, No, you're just a god. I am one of John's gods now. You are among them, yes. And he's like, you know, hey, you know, these two are engaged to be married, but, you know, pointing to him and the girl next to Michael Shannon, but she's having doubts. And he's like, hey, what? (laughs) And this Michael Shannon reveal is brought to you by Lifesavers Holes. Lifesaver holes. We don't exist anymore. I did not see those, and I had totally forgotten about them. Oh my god, that was absolutely a thing. There was a thing. There was a Lifesaver's Holes banner behind <laughs> Bill Murray, <laughs> only in this Michael Shannon shot, and then he moves to other parts of the diner, and you don't see it anymore. <laughs> and then we get an oddly progressive part of the movie, because he starts talking about the waiter. He's like, yeah, blah, blah, and he's gay. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm gay. As if that's like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> like, this is the early 90s where being outed as gay could ruin your life. I mean, exactly. He's are... not weirded out or, oh, my God. or And there's no reaction from people around like, oh, man, we got one of them damn queers or whatever. No, he's just like, yep, I am. Everyone else in this room already knew that. <laughs> yep. I have blonde hair and I am gay. You are saying obvious things about me, weird man. <laughs> yeah. And... At some point, this freaks Andy McDowell out. She's like, okay, so so what do you know about me? Because she like pulls him down into a booth as they go around. He's like, okay. So he gives a very heartfelt breakdown of the qualities he knows about her and likes about her. And he tells her, look, I've been living February 2nd over and over again. He's like, Larry's going to come in. And he writes down on a napkin. He's going to say exactly this. And Larry comes in, says exactly that. And she's like, okay, I'm going to stay. I'm going to, you know, check you out as a science experiment. Yep. And so walking through Cockler's dong, Andy McDowell is open to the possibility that Bill Murray's telling the truth. But here's the crazy thing. When they walk into the green in the wide shot, you hear Bill Murray talking, but Bill Murray on screen is decidedly not talking in this <laughs> shot. His mouth is closed. Our good friend ADR, back for another appearance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so instead of trying to bang his coworker, he's just gonna he's just gonna hang out with her, you know, got some character growth here. Uh the day ends with him being really good at tossing playing cards into a bowler hat. She's like, okay, so this is what you've been doing with eternity. Like, this is your, you know, the skill you have learned. And he's like, yeah, kind of. He's like, he's, and he's pretty resigned to his fate at this point. He's like, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm just going to wake up tomorrow and this shit's going to keep happening and happening. And she's like, hey, man, you could do some cool shit with this. Like, you know, be positive. 
positive. And he's like, gosh, you're a positive lady. Like he Bill Murray's the fuck out of that line. <laughs> Chronically perky. Yeah, asks her if she's going to leave, but this time she's going to stay. She's not going to, she's going to hang out and kind of see where this all goes. She also like freaks out at like around midnight. She's like, oh, hey, it's midnight. I'm not, I'm still here. And he's like, that's not, I never said anything about midnight. <laughs> yeah, that, she like what? expected him to disappear you know, or fade away or something. It, yeah, he explains not till six o'clock, which is something we already know because he tried calling the phone company at four in the morning for some goddamn reason. At 404 long distance line not found. Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, please, computer nerds, tell me that's what that means. I, it's, I would be so disappointed if it, it's like some like obscured actual networking math thing and not a Groundhog Day reference. But she falls asleep there, and he wakes up to the bed being empty next to him, and it's sad for a bit. Yeah, and this is after, like, you know, when she was falling asleep in his bed, he, like, professes his love for her. There's, like, a tender moment there. But, yeah, he wakes up. He's not there, but he's, instead of being depressed, Bill Murray, he's energetic, ready to seize the day, Bill Murray. Mm -hmm. In fact, he gives that homeless guy he's been ignoring some money. All the money. He starts to count it out, and he just folds it up and puts it right in his hand. He brings coffee and pastries to slobber cocks and just gives it to Larry and Andy McDowell. He even knows what Larry likes in his coffee. He's going to stop being a dick to him from now on. And he's going to carry all the equipment for him, too. Because you know what? You got your coffee and your Danish, man. I'll handle this stuff. I'll candle this and like we'll get a, get a better shot over there. Like I asked the guy and he's like, you know, you should set up over there. He's reading library books from the, you know, the diner because he's going to get super duper literate. And then this is one of my favorite scenes. He's going to learn how to play piano. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I loved this. He goes to the piano teacher's house. He's like, hi, I'd like one piano lesson, please. And she's like, hey, cool. Yeah, um, I got a student here right now, but why don't you come back tomorrow? And he's like, I have a thousand dollars. And they she's walk like, in. The, the camera stays outside the house. <laughs> but they walk in. The door closes. And then a moment later, it reopens, and this little girl just gets shoved out the door. Yeah, she's, like, very upset about this, and she walks away huffily. And <laughs> yeah, she's really huffy about this, but I gotta say, if I was in the middle of a music lesson, and someone walked in and said, hey, here's a thousand dollars, I need a session, I'm like, alright, cool, see you next week, Lucy, you know, <laughs> And this is $1,000 in the early 90s. Like, adjust that for inflation. It's like, I don't know. $1,002. <laughs> and so we'll see, you know, during this sequence, you know, we'll keep coming back to him and he'll keep getting better at piano. Um, and I do not understand her reaction this first time. It's either the first time or one of the early lessons because he's not doing so well. Well, yeah, he kind of sucks. So right, that, that... but she's standing there like kind of wincing and like, oh my God, this guy sucks. It's like, well, yeah, it's his first lesson. You're a piano teacher. You should be expecting this sort of thing. It doesn't make it any un less unpleasant to her ears to hear shitty piano playing. I think as a teacher, she's failing. Fair enough. Uh, don't hire her. Is, is the lesson. But he keeps coming back and he keeps getting better. So she's like, oh, wow, this is your first lesson? She's like, yeah, you know, well, my father was a piano mover, so, you know. <laughs> like, like, Boo. Boo. <laughs> that, that, one, that one just does not land. No. Uh, probably one of his improvised lines that he insisted stay in the movie. You know, he's even started being nice to the guy in the hallway. He, You know, he greets him in Italian, so clearly he's also spending part of his time learning Italian. So he's just being super nice to that guy. He's even learned how to ice sculpt, and 
oh, he's learned how to deal with Ned without being an asshole. This is well, so good. This is still kind of being an asshole. <laughs> but he's not punching with the face. And it's a technique that I have used when, you know, I'm fine with like a little hug or something. When people are like, oh, let's have a hug. Just make it go on an uncomfortably long amount of time. An uncomfortably long amount of time? With a he bit like of love bombed. Yeah. He love bombs. He's like, oh my God, Ned, I have missed you. And, just you know, hey. Overdoes. Oh God, he makes Ned so uncomfortable. It's beautiful. No, but he's like, hey, can you call off work today? And Ned's like, yikes. <laughs> he fucks off like, nope, later. Gotta go. Bye. Uh, so he gets rid of Ned without- God, I've done that to people. Like, you're having a bad day. You need a little hug. Come here, buddy. And then I'll just turn and be like, yeah, bring it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just play gay chicken while hugging a dude who's- <laughs> You don't want to be around. Uh, so now we get to an incredibly sad part of the movie. Uh, it doesn't really, I mean, it fits the world, but it doesn't necessarily, it feels kind of disjointed plot wise. Mm, yeah. The homeless dude from earlier, he walks past him that night. He's kind of still in an alley. He's like, hey, bud, let's, let's get you inside. Let's get you somewhere warm. Takes him to a hospital and he dies. And now we get the second black person who gets some lines for like a hot second. It's the nurse who basically is like, hey, you know, he died. He's like, can I see the charts? No, he can't see the charts. I'm going to go see the charts. <laughs> and so he bursts in and she's like, following him like, hey, no, you can't go in there. That's restricted. And I guess he looks at the body, but we don't see the body. She's like, hey, look, he's just old. He's just old. Like sometimes people just die. And he's like, not today. And we get a very brief montage of him trying to save this guy's life, getting him in earlier, feeding him soup at the diner. But there's nothing just... about getting him in earlier. There's back alley CPR. There is back alley CPR. Because clearly the doctors don't know what they're doing. But yeah, I mean, something with when he first sees him in the morning, you know, on the like, get into the hospital then, man. Come on. Maybe they can detect what's going to happen here. Maybe, but I think he first tries with like, yeah, the, the diner and the feeding him chicken soup and the, oh my God. Yeah, it, it just kind of turns into, I'm going to give him the nicest day that I can. This is a very weird aside. Well, maybe not a weird aside, but this open-faced turkey sandwich with gravy and mashed potatoes looked fucking delicious. <laughs> In the diner, I'm just like, I want that. I have serious issues with open-faced sandwiches. But it's, okay, but if it's the gravy kind, if it's an open-faced gravy turkey sandwich. No, like no, that's it's turkey and gravy on bread. Open face sandwich is no longer a goddamn sandwich. I feel very strongly about this topic. That's fine. More open face turkey sandwiches gravy for me because I've had that and I love it. It's delicious. Um, <clears throat> it's delicious. It's just not a goddamn sandwich. Like I said, strong feelings. <laughs> Way more than anyone should on this topic. <laughs> and considering the pedantry that I fucking indulge in on this podcast, it's okay. I'm going to allow this. It is more. But that argument that was going on around a few years ago is a hot dog a sandwich or not i don't give a fuck i don't give a fuck either. i don't give a fuck but open face sandwiches i have issues <laughs> okay well my answer to that is the same as on the hot dog debate just can i just fucking eat it now because right. that looks delicious <laughs> yeah but tries to give him back Ellie's CPR, and the homeless guy dies, gasps his last breath. You actually see the like the 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 fog of his last breath going up. For as amazingly cold as it's supposed to be in this town, you almost never see anyone's breath. But you do in this moment. <laughs> yeah, you get to watch a man die. Well done. <laughs> 
It was a good, I, I thought it was a good touch. But Bill Murray finally accepts that he cannot save this guy's life. He cannot go against the inevitable on this. So now we get a montage of Bill Murray living for others. Actually, I think this is like the start of the day that he finally nails. Okay. Going around catching the kid who falls out of the tree, just just all this kind of stuff, yeah. Yeah, he crushes the news report. He's, like, so awesome with the news report, the other networks have their microphone in front of him because... Yeah, what did he do to get all the other newsmen on him for his report? Yeah, that must have been one hell of a preamble <laughs> to what he we see him <laughs> saying on screen, because holy fuck. Because... Remember, as far as all these other news people are concerned, they just showed up the night before, got some sleep, and they're coming to do a thing. He's another yeah. guy with another news station, and yet for some reason, he's become this fucking celebrity in a few hours on February 2nd. Somehow, and Andy McDowell is so impressed, she asks him to coffee, and he's like, I've actually got some errands to run. She's like, errands to run? What? What? And more montage, he's fixing tires, uh, he saves his older brother from choking. <laughs> yeah, he saves his older brother from choking. Yeah, he changes a flat tire with some old ladies in the car. While they're still in the car, they do not get out while he like jacks. The, the moment that the car stops, he's right there with the jack and gets to work. <laughs> yeah, he saves the mayor slash Bill Murray's real, you know, older brother in real life. And on his way out, just speaking of cigarettes, lights a lady's cigarette on the way out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Cut to Larry hitting on Nancy at the hotel bar and not getting that she's not into him in any shape or form. Yeah, he is not good about this. And they're like, oh, something's going on in this other room. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I got to get back to the party. He's like, yeah, I got to get back to the party, too. I'll go with you. And it's like, no, she doesn't want to go with you. She wants you to stay at the bar. Bump and Danny McDowell, and they're like, hey, you know, we should get Phil to join them at the party. Nancy's like, you mean Phil Connor? Uh, he's, he's, he's already, already there. there. So, quick question about Larry. Mm -hmm. Cheap or asshole? Because he leaves the tip, and then once Nancy is, like, turned away, he takes some of it back. I did not see that! <laughs> he, makes, he Like, he gets a few dollars out and throws it on the bar, and then when she walks away, he pulls one back. Oh, my God! That's amazing! Okay. Oh, and by the way, bartender and his disapproving stare at how bad Larry is at hitting on Nancy. It's amazing! <laughs> Cheaper an asshole. Yes. I'm gonna my answer is yes. And so they arrive at the party and there's some hopping jazz music going on. Lots of couples dancing on the dance floor. Larry tries to put his arm around Nancy's shoulder and she's like, No, take that <laughs> off. <laughs> And so Andy McDowell sees Bill Murray play piano on stage in like Ray Charles style sunglasses, I guess. Well, you know, it's jazzy. It's jazz piano. And she is fucking into this. She's very impressed. The song finishes. He starts to play a Bach number that he was. Whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. It's not the song finishes. He sees her and like he's leading a tactical team, throws his fist up. <laughs> Oh, like, stop. Like, to stop, and everyone stops playing. And then that he segues into playing the box song that he was learning when he was learning the piano, and that turns into this whole jazz number. It goes from classical music to jazz music. And what I do have to say here is that I am never going to be as cool as the electric guitar guy who has, like, a mullet ponytail and a mustache. I'm never going to be as cool as that guy, and I don't... I couldn't tell if it was a mullet? 
because it's pulled back but not really tightly into the ponytail i'm not sure i examined this for way too long to try and come to a conclusion yeah i was like what is this dude's hairstyle and why well at least we could agree that neither of us are ever going to be as cool as this guy because he is just not one a cool motherfucker and the song ends and the <laughs> piano teacher who's like been up front in the crowd she is just tickled pig by how awesome bill murray plays piano and tries taking credit for and it tries to Andy McDonald, she's like that's my student <laughs> yeah and so she goes up she takes over piano duties bill murray comes down and starts slow dancing with andy mcdowell and then we just get a series of people coming up and just talking about how awesome bill murray is mm-hmm. two of the old ladies from the car who are uh in my head canon a lesbian couple polyamorous lesbian couple why not dance up to him and say that he's the fastest jack in jefferson county <laughs> that nice man from the auto club that nice man from the auto club uh um, jacking it at gobbler's knob <laughs> <laughs> Jacket and a cobbler's knob. <laughs> oh, that is the jazz album that Bill Murray is going to be making with this band. But yeah, someone um, refers to him as Dr. Connors. Yeah, because I think he helped him click his back and now he can do stuff around the house. And Bill Murray's like, I'm sorry about that, Philip. Dr. Connors is the alter ego of the lizard from Spider Man. What? Yeah, Dr. Kirk Connors. That's his real name. So, with all of this multiverse shit happening, I'm saying Bill Murray's part of the MCU. I'm calling it. I'm calling it. We're calling it now. Make it a canon. He is this universe's Dr. Connors. He still has to lose an arm first, but anyway. (laughs) And now we get our second appearance with Michael Shannon, who clearly just got married to his fiance. Like, Bill Murray convinced them to go through with it. still did not look like him to me. And then after figuring out, I rewatched it and like, you catch bits with the voice, but... It is very much Michael Shannon's voice. He looks less pockmarked, I think, Mm -hmm. in this movie. Yeah, just much younger. I mean, you know, yeah, younger, smooth skin, all that. Just, wow. (laughs) Bill Murray helped Michael Shannon's fiance get over her doubts. They went through, they got married, and not only that, he gives them WrestleMania tickets, which they get way too excited over. I mean, I agree, but obviously people love it, so... People love it. Oh, people are morons. They like blood sausage. So, you know. (laughs) Also, why does Michael Shannon smooch Andy McDowell on the cheek in this moment? He's just overcome. The spirit of WrestleMania moved him to sexually assault someone. So much non-consensual touching and kissing in this movie. It's just... And... Andy McDowell is just astounded that everyone knows him, considering that Bill Murray only goes to Puxatawney once a year. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck's going on here? But that's not going to get answered because the music stopped, and now it's time for the charity bachelor auction. And the waitress drags Bill Murray up to the stage because she wants a fucking piece of that. And it turns into a bidding war between Nancy and the waitress. And they're only going up by small little increments, and they get to $60. And that's when Andy McDowell whips it the fuck out and is like $339 and 88 cents. Is this all the money she had? Like, or she was like doing her little checkbook balance and saw what she, maybe it's all she had. Or maybe it's the most that she could give at that moment. It's a very exact number. I think she just quickly went through her wallet and was like, yep, yep. Because people carried a lot more cash back then, I think. No, like, it looks like she's holding a checkbook. Well, it's like one of those like 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 those rectangular wallets yeah. that some women have. Yeah. yeah. And you fold it open and write your goddamn checks. Anyway, point being, she really escalated the shit out of this. Bidding was getting hazy at $60. 
and you jumped over 300? Yep, she buys Bill Murray at auction. And then Larry goes up and one of the old ladies from the lesbian couple takes him for 25 cents because clearly it's an open relationship and she wants to, you know, walk on the buy side. We get it. What's even better about her buying Larry for 25 cents is that Brian Doyle Murray was trying to start the bidding at 75? No, he was a buck 50. He was trying to start Well, yeah, he keeps lowering it because no one's bidding on Larry and he gets to 75 cents and someone's like, I'll do it for a fucking quarter. Sold! <laughs> and she's, yeah, this old lady's very enthusiastic about, I think she says two bits. I was about to say, she's so old, she actually says two bits, which equals a quarter. So, okay. Uh, so on the way out, uh, Andy McDowell and Bill Murray bump into Ned, and Ned is super happy because Bill Murray bought all the insurance. All the fucking insurance. All of it. He doesn't have to sell shit for the rest of it. Like, he's bought life and this life and term life and dental and fire and blah, 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 blah. And Bill Murray and Andy McDowell try to leave. Ned's like, hey, so where are we going? And Andy McDowell's like, oh, let's not spoil it. She's like tweaking his cheek and like nudging him. And like, he finally gets boundaries in this moment. He's like, oh. <laughs> Oh, that's what I've been doing. No, he doesn't. He sits there and kind of laughs to himself, doesn't even register that they're gone, and he's just like, ha, ha, ha. Oh, that's, that's Ned. That's what he does. That's okay. Yeah. So outside, Bill Murray's making an ice sculpture of Andy McDowell. You know, wants to make sure she gets her money's worth from the auction, but uh, she's pretty sure she got him at a bargain. And this is the fakest ice statue ever. This is clearly made in a prop house. <laughs> well, he was, I thought he was doing snow. It still looks really fake. Oh, yeah. It's way too perfect. <laughs> way too detailed, way too blue, way too sparkly. It's, yeah. Uh, and she's so impressed that she doesn't know what to say, but he does because, you know, no matter what happens tomorrow, he's happy now because he loves her. And smooching ensues and so does snow. And so we're back in the bed and breakfast bedroom. The alarm goes off at 6 a.m. We hear Sonny and Cher again. So it's a bit of a psych out. It's like, oh no, the day restarted again and they fell in love. But no, the radio DJ banter is different and Andy McDowell's in bed with him. Which means that he set the alarm the night before. (laughs) (laughs) That's not where I thought you were going to go with that. (laughs) Okay, I'd like to hear where you thought I was going to go with that. But it's like, if it, you know, the, the alarm clock rang in the loop because he set the alarm. So if the alarm went again, he must have set the alarm again. My thought is just... How horrible is his life going to be now? She's with him as he's just this amazing guy that's so helpful. But now that he doesn't know what's going to happen with everyone, he can't really help him the same way. He can't, but he's acquired so many skills and so much knowledge that he will continue to be impressive in some way. Also, like, he's not a complete jackass anymore. Like, he's grown as a character and that will also serve him in his life. And he has, like, 12 insurance policies now that he has to pay. <laughs> But I love in this moment because he's in bed. He's like trying to like process the fact that things are different now, especially Andy McDowell being in his bed. He literally pinches her to make sure that he's not dreaming. (laughs) Doesn't make sense. I thought that was a great time. But yeah, no, just that is she really here sort of thing. Yeah. Exactly. So he's like, you know, why are you still here? She's like, you told me to stay. And so I stayed like a good puppy um <laughs> right yeah that was a weird line and so he looks outside that's a whole different scene there's nobody on the street the street's covered in snow apparently they didn't bang so she just fell asleep and that was it apparently she's like you know he gets frisky and she's like why didn't you want to do this last night you know like you fell right asleep and he's like it was the end of a very long day 
And so they go outside holding hands. Bill Murray's like, let's live here. They frolic down the street, you know, to Nat King Cole's almost like being in love. The end credits play over the sky. Credit! Credits! That was Groundhog Day. But before we go, as always, we millennials know that every movie and TV show has a moral. So, uh, John, what'd you learn today? Well, as already mentioned, I learned the power of uncomfortable hugs. Oh, you learned a very similar lesson to me this week. Oh. Uh, I learned how to get rid of pushy insurance salesmen with homoerotic undertones. <laughs> a useful life skill, useful let me tell skills, you. yes. <laughs> and before we go, we of course need to tell you what we're doing next time. So, John, what do the folks at home have to look forward to? Oh, boy. We're taking a break from movies that have stories for a moment, and we're just going <laughs> to grab some beers and check out Jackass the Movie. Oh, yeah. I can feel the testicular distress already. Oh, God. <laughs> and uh, you got any reviews for us, John, to get us all hot and bothered for Jackass the Movie? I've got, once again, a rating of zero review. <laughs> This is just the kind of thing you would expect from a movie critic for something like Jackass. It really is. This is the biggest, low-down, rotten, disgusting, depraved sideshow in the Megaplex. Check your brains, your taste, and your self-respect right over there with the bearded ticket taker. Okay, Mr. Um, writer for the Daily News, what did beards ever do to you? Yeah, what did a guy at a beard some ever do to you? Aggression, right there towards the facial hair. I take exception to it, <laughs> I, as you should. Like, I get that you're <laughs> pissed at the movie for being dumb as fuck, and I'm yeah. sure that we will ha have strong reactions to the movie being dumb as fuck. But come on, leave beards alone. The beard murdered his family. <laughs> a beard, <laughs> just the beard, not a bearded man. <laughs> And that's our show. If you liked it, please subscribe. If you loved it, please share it with all your friends. And whether you liked it or loved it, we'd appreciate it if you gave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help others find us. Also, be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. Links to both of those are in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Millennial Rewind.